Okay, good evening, everyone. This is Sachin here from Angelwing LLC. Good to see all of you. We're continuing our exploration about the question of action, uh, specifically what is perfect action, and we can pose the question in many different ways. What is correct action, best action, what we ought to do, uh, how, how things ought to be in our life in terms of the decisions we're making. All such types of statements are definitely relevant. So along those lines, Along those lines, um, you know, I put a little quotation. Uh, I mean, it's just a little statement. Actually, it's not even a quote, really. It's just a little statement, um, and it is it is really uh, quite interesting when we think about the fact that when we are taking action, how much awareness do we have of what we're doing? I mean, so I'll make some initial comments about this, and we kind of move into this question uh, uh, carefully. Uh, the fact of the matter is that awareness of action is interesting because does awareness come first or does action come, come first? It's, you see, it's, it's a, that itself can be worth probing. When we perform, let, let's say, for example, speaking, when we're speaking, we're speaking with a certain intention. There, you cannot speak without some intention. So, so the awareness of what's going on, of what we ought to do, what we ought not to do. There is a certain stillness in that initially, a certain mindfulness, a certain stability through which one speaks. Now, so this is a distinction we've made before that there, that there is two kinds of ways, there's two ways of proceeding. One way is to speak, let's say for example, to speak through the steady mind a mindful mind, an aware mind. And then the other approach is to speak and then kind of reflect upon later on and say, wait a minute, what did I just say? Why did I say that I should have said this? I should not have said this. This should have, could have, would have, shouldn't have. All of those things, they come afterwards after the action is done. So that's the other thing that happens, which is mostly what happens. You know, um, good evening, Pratap. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Just giving some uh, introductory comments here, and then we'll get started. And yeah, I was getting the podcast, and I couldn't understand. What yeah, was I it? yeah, there was a there was a link issue. That's it. But, ah, okay. Uh, yeah, um, but it got resolved. So, oh. so, so this is very interesting. You know that when we say that action is performed through awareness, <clears throat> which would we could put it in other language, like action is performed through a stable, still, silent, mindful, and energetic mind. All of this together. Energy is there. Energy is always there. You know, unless we're dead, there's we have energy. But the stability, stable, mindful, clear, thoughtful, uh, aware, peaceful, harmonious, integrated, all of that all such words and many other such words we could say are encompassed within the word awareness. Now, again, if we probe this a bit further, again, Sachin says, I am aware. Well, okay, that is still within the realm of the activity of thought. <laughs> but there's another expression that might be much better that awareness of the I. See, I am aware, I want to be aware, I, you know, the I is predominant in that. 
trying to get to an awareness, trying to get to some enlightenment, trying to get to somewhere. <coughs> and that's understandable. That's, that's what we tend to do. But there's another approach where the mind is just left as a process. It's just left alone. Why does it have to be activated all the time? It's an interesting question. And when we talk about action, the mental activity is much more than physical activity. Much, much, much more. It's incredible how much psychological activity goes on. And the speed of the activity is tremendous. And the body is there's nowhere near that. True. Right, exactly. So the mental activity is filled with energy. It's filled with a direction. There's so much involved in it, obviously. But when awareness is present, awareness is simply pure observation. It's just to inquire. There's inquiry and observation. Now, let's be clear about that. Inquiry is to mindfully, carefully observe the flow of the mind. That is inquiry. So the dialogue leads to inquiry, which we kind of do some, once in a while. We don't do it as much. We'll have to have a special time for inquiry. We actually have it set up you know, from eight to nine every Sunday, but most people don't have to go and all that. But inquiry is a further evolution within dialogue. Inquiry is to really directly look through the, through the assistance with other participants who know how to do this, to assist an individual to probe genuinely into a question because they really want to see the phenomena. That is called inquiry. So inquiry is a further uh, a development through dialogue. We only did it, I think we only did it once with Milu here, uh, on like Milu or somebody, and maybe with Debbie, we did it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's very, very, I actually went through that many times. Um, um, uh, Pratap knows, he and I used to attend these uh, dialogues, these three-day retreats on meditative dialogue, you know, uh, and we had about 30 or 40 people attend, and we used to sit for hours at a time. It was very new to me, but I didn't understand it in the very beginning stages. But then when I, when it was becoming more clear, that inquiry would occur. And I would like, my God, you know, I never realized what is the power of just sitting with these questions genuinely. I mean, not as a to convince somebody as a debate or it's not like that. You know, so meditative dialogue, which is what we this attempt to uh, inquire, is it has a tremendous amount of strength within it, which is our own strength, actually. So, so there is there's a lot of different ways of putting this. And again, we're using language, we're using words. We don't have any choice but to use language and words. I can use that body, you know, physical action a little bit. That's all. So, but the language we use, we need to see what is meant by that language and what is implied in the language. So well, just a couple of things to keep in mind about this also, three main points. The first point number one, that the words are on the surface. The reality, the truth is underneath them. That is nonverbal. So words are on the surface, the truth is underneath. Even the word awareness, it's a, it's a word. It might mean certain things to us, but what it actually is, it's nonverbal. You know, it's just isness, it's the reality. So this is one part of language. The other thing about language is that is that intention versus what is actually said. 
you know, so I, Sachin may intend something, but the way I'm saying it, maybe certain words I'm choosing may not convey that intention. And they usually don't convey 100%, maybe 80%, 70%, 90%. That's the point number two. And then the third point about language is that, <coughs> is that when we are speaking, usually the words are coming through the background conditioning. You know, they're not, they're not necessarily coming out of that, that pure awareness, uh, right? So these are some things to keep in mind. These are some of my introductory comments uh, made here. So I'd like to open it up now for our inquiry, uh, for dialogue, uh, into the question of action. A lot of ways of considering this, made some initial uh, comments here. Uh, I would request you to see what's happening right now within you and see what's coming up if you would like to share something from this or reflect upon this. And then we can kind of proceed into the inquiry together very, very carefully. So good to see all of you. And thank you so much for joining again. Um, I can just put something out there that I was thinking about from the beginning of when you were talking about action and awareness. Yeah. And just what came to me was like, I think of action as finite. Okay. It has a beginning and an end yeah. where awareness does not. Uh, you know, awareness is... A constant. Constant, yeah. That's very interesting. Yes, yes. So then it just, I mean, my first thought was, well, then, you know, awareness has to um, instigate the, I, I mean, I there's a back and forth, but awareness is what makes you, um, mm. I was thinking awareness determined what our actions would be, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Okay. So we can do do things and there's, you know, I, I don't know when you were first talking about, it, I was thinking, oh yeah, different kinds of actions. I was thinking in terms of, uh, oh, when you said a, a awareness of our actions. Okay. Uh, you know, when I'm walking, am I, uh, you know, I'm not conscious of one, whether it's my right foot or my left foot, uh, you know, the action is there, but I'm not conscious of every little move. But I yes. am conscious of the fact that I am walking. <laughs> but remember, you could deliberately be conscious. You know, uh, uh, people do those yeah. meditations in those, uh, I, I don't know, which is in certain church groups, they they, they uh, do those circular meditations and those walking mazes. Or I don't remember which which uh, Christian denomination that is. Thinking about the, uh, gosh, what do they call them? Is that Quakers? No, no, no. Or is that uh, Unitarians? No. no. Universalists? I don't remember. Zen-based Zen, uh, meditation. Yeah, yeah, Zen-based. But there's a Christian group, that, a Christian denomination that, that that also does that. But I just don't remember now which what that is. But so so it, it doesn't matter. Teresa, let's go into this a bit further, and we can have Debbie and Mr. Pradap also kind of go into this. Lab Labyrinth. La Labyrinth. Yeah, that's it. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. And, and we do have that. Uh, we have some labyrinths in the Catholic faith. I mean, yes, yes, exactly. Which is, you know, which is a God-centered meditation that may God be the center. You know, if you go to like Indian temples, you'll also see people doing something called this, uh, these rounds that they make, a uh, circulation. I, I guess that's how you pronounce that. And they go, Judaism too, right? Isn't that, or, or is that? It, it, that's an Islam, an Islam in the... Uh, they go counterclockwise uh, around the Kaaba, around the Kaaba, you know. So, so, so there is this this notion of awareness, even though it may be God centered or however it may be centered. Uh, there is there is this notion of awareness while one is walking, you know. So even though certain things we do kind of automatically, 
you know, we don't consciously think about putting the left foot first and the right, you know, we're not consciously doing, we're doing it automatically. That's like the functional stuff that, that Pratap talks about a lot. Yeah, that's that's there. Uh, but it is possible to become very, to, or, or to or to deliberately place attention on on movement, on, on our day-to-day -day activity, even things like brushing your teeth or, you know, taking a shower to be more aware of the sensations. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so so that's one point that's in my mind as you were talking, Teresa. Uh, and then the other point you just you you said that there is action that is finite. Uh, can you go into that a bit more? Let's see if we can probe that, open that up a little bit for uh, where did that come from? Why do you say that? I guess because I was thinking I was just generally, and I haven't really like gone into it in depth, but I'm trying to think of like any action even a mental action has a beginning and an end. So mm. consider that something that's finite. Yes. Uh, okay. Debbie, uh, Pratap, anyone to say anything about this? I have so, some things coming up in my mind on this one, but mm -hmm. to say something, please go ahead. You know, I don't want to be the only one. Well, there's certainly, you know, the matter of awareness and um, I want to add the word focus. Oh, um, the last sentence again, we cut off a little bit. I'd like to add the word focus to okay. awareness. Yeah. Um, I was just having a conversation with someone, you know, about that forgetfulness and, you know, you walk into a room and you forget what you went in to do and things like that. And yeah. I always say to myself, it's a matter of focusing. You know, be more present in the moment, be aware and, you know, do one thing at a time. You know, we're often just trying to do yeah. five, 10 things at a time. You, you need to be present and focused and um, aware. Uh, I guess we were using the word omnipresent, you know, um, and through all that awareness, you can take better actions or processes to actions. Yes, yes. So I always say it's important, the, the focus and the awareness. Very good, very interesting, yes. Uh, uh, Pratap, you want to say anything? Yeah, in my way of thinking, it's uh, that, <clears throat> All the actions are generally starts with the thought arising in the mind, depending on the situation that you have to respond. So that those thoughts are the result of two ways. One is that we are taught that we are the individual. We are always look for ourselves. Others are others. I am this body mind based individual. So those, uh, those beliefs leads to the thoughts to mostly act for myself, even at the cost of others sometimes. So that's one kind of action will come, selfish mostly. The other actions, which yeah. I call perfect, is when you understand that what I am is not limited to this body and the mind. When you become aware 
that would be more and more uh, proof that this awareness is all is one awareness we all share and the reality of our body and the mind is really the awareness mm -hmm. awareness will free us from just acting for ourselves only it will include us also along with the others and that kind of a thought proceeds from this understanding being aware of it and that action then it would be more like a respond to the situation appropriateness of the action through the thought will descend on the mind and that kind of action I consider as perfect. Okay. Very yes. Very, yes. Yes. Marisa, you want to say something? Um, I had thoughts while he was talking. <laughs> now, how do I express them? Um, Take your time. There's no rush. This is a meditative dialogue. This is you time with it. You don't have to necessarily respond right away or anything like that, you know. So it's, it's there's no rush in this at all. The silence is also just as just oh. important, even actually. You know what I was thinking too is that when I started this, I was thinking, oh, like there's really like an answer to it, like it's one or the other. You know, when I was thinking about, you know, uh, uh, how does an action begin? Is it from our awareness and and in a way. Protat was kind of saying, well, if if the, you know, if we think we're, if we use that awareness, if the thought comes from the awareness, then uh, it's one thing. If it comes from the mind, it's another, but that doesn't mean it's one way or the other. It's, there's both, you know? So uh, when I was trying to decide, well, is it the consciousness or is it my mind or is it, well, you know, what is that? Well, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. Oh, so in listening to what all of you have said so far, some of my reflections uh, at this point are that th there's a there's a, there's two two tracks here. There is the I based action through the I, the me that says, you know, I want this and I don't want this and I like this and I, you know, and then I'm going to do what I, the I that is seeking a type of experience right? That is an I-based act action. Now, even that action has two parts, the functional and the uh, more entangled, the, the binding part. The functional, interactional, transactional is a more better word for it. That, uh, that is not, that is needed in life. If we don't have that transactional part, we would not be able to do anything in life. You know, so that, that I-based action has remember so so i based action so there's i based action and then there is the non i based action so that non i based action is as pratap was saying you can call that perfect action you can call it enlightened action you can call that the buddha nature you can call it christ consciousness or sanctification religious language we can call it uh, uh, in the sanskrit word that is called jivan mukta jivan mukta means one who is a living liberated being you can you know call it that Many words, many ways of describing the non-I-based activity. Uh, now, sometimes you know the, the activity might be the same. The the act, action would might exactly be the same, but 
the entire experience, the entire binding nature is very different. You know, so action that is binding the individual, action that is through freedom. You know, somebody might say we're taking action to get to freedom. That's still, that's more like a process-oriented phenomena. But there's something which is even different from that. That is action through freedom. <clears throat> that you're starting with freedom. <clears throat> They're starting with this great massive awareness, 360 degree vision from all sides. And that is what meditation is all about, really. You know, that's what, in our dialogue, this is one way of approaching meditation, is to is to move into that that broad 360 degree vision of any activity of the mind. And then there, and then the reactions thereof. I'll give you give you a simple example. Okay, very easy to understand example. Somebody is going to a casino and sits in front of a slot machine. Very easy to understand. They take they take a fifty dollar bill and they put it inside one of those slot machines. We have seen that over and over again many times, right? So, what what is the action? It's it's, it's an eye based action. I want to win. They see the jackpot is $30,000. Oh my God, they bet, keep betting $5 at a time. And they said, now I'll hit it. Now I'll hit it. Now I'll hit it. Right? Isn't it so? See the, how strong the me is. This is just an easy to understand example. Now you take the same individual who takes $50 and, and donates the money to a homeless shelter. Isn't it so? Is there, is it, see the difference between the two. You take the same individual who 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 um, takes that fifty dollars and goes and buys grocery shopping, and then buys things you know for for the home? See the difference between these three. You know, in the first case, in the gambling case, in the case of the slot machine, there's a tremendous me and ego and all this messes there. Basically, it's a strong energy that is focused. In the other one, there is a sense of giving. That sense of now the sense in the meek and come through the back door, the pious ego and all that. I'm not talking about that, that, that here. But that, that's that possible. And then the third one is the more functional. I have to have food in the house. So I go and buy bread, milk, and eggs or whatever you're going to. That's the third one. Mm-hmm. See very clearly that this, it's the same energy, right? That is money is energy. The $50 is $50. That $50, the bill is not at fault. There's no fault or anything. The money is just a raw form of energy. But the individual is using for a certain experience in three different contexts. And and this is where the question of perfect action really comes into being. That if a person has a desire to go and, you know, buy packs of cigarettes or go and sit in front of a slot machine or whatever, they probably know this is not the best thing to do, but they want that experience. When you say that I want that experience, that I has become predominant psychologically. It has become very strong. And then and then a person is caught up in that. You know, they can be caught up in it for God knows how long. I mean, it can, <clears throat> they can caught up in it for years. <clears throat> but then the awareness of the I says, wait a minute. You know, if I if I win, now see how this this is an interesting thing. If a person says, I'm going to buy $50 worth of cigarettes, what am I getting from that? 
okay, I look at, see the 360 degree vision. We already know this, right? You're getting the experience of smoking, whatever that nicotine experience is giving. But there's 3,000 3, chemicals inside each cigarette. They're polluting the, the, the alveoli of the lungs and all this thing is going on. The person knows that, but they, don't, they, ignore, they put that away. They only want that, that pleasurable, immediately pleasurable part only. They're ignoring the rest of it. So when we ignore the rest of it, that is imperfect action. Very clear. That couldn't be, it's, it's a simple, simple thing. But perfect action is where there's a vision. Oh, okay, smoke the cigarette. Yes, am I going to get this pleasure? Yes. Am I going to get, but the eye, this is okay. What do I do with the impulse? You'd gratify it or suppress it. What do I do with the impulse? You know, this is where you allow awareness to do its work. You just keep away from the impulse and you say, let, let awareness kick in. And the mind will automatically reset if you give it time. And we know this from brain science, neuroplasticity, and all those things we talk about. I won't go into that right now. But we don't give it time. The I is just saying, I want that. And that's, you know, that's the end of it. Anger is like that. You want to, we keep see this with children and teenagers. They sometimes will want to punch somebody and they, they cannot restrain that, you know. So when we allow awareness to act, things are very, things are generally very clear. They're not unclear. But then, but then the I said, no, I still want that. I want that whatever happens. Then that's the I. Now you, then you see how the I, the, the me, the, the ego functions in wanting what it wants. And then, and then the barometer about imperfect action is the regret that comes afterwards. Somebody smokes a pack of cigarettes in the whole day and they say, and then they wake up the next morning and say, God, I'm not smoking one today. I regret so much. You know, it's a terrible thing. I'm trying to, and they're struggling. It's a conflict inside. You see? So that is when the struggle is there, when the conflict is there, when that means that the action that was taken was imperfect. It's not the right action. Not the right action means the action is not aligned with consciousness, with awareness, with truth, with health, with beauty, with with uh, with with God, if you want to say, with you know, with uh, um, with health, with uh, with with goodness for the community, goodness for. The, it's not aligned with that. How how is buying cigarettes, fifty dollars worth every week, aligned with human upliftment? I, somebody explained that one to me, or even throwing money away into these casinos or buying scratch-offs or, you know, all these addiction-related activity, all the illicit drugs, my God, how does that take human, humanity forward? Mm -hmm. But what is it doing? It's causing damage across the planet mm -hmm. for the pursuit of the me, the I-centered activity. <clears throat> And then, and then the interesting thing is the repetition of that imperfect action. You keep repeating it, repeating it. Hence, there's that's the prison of psychological conditioning. The human being is trapped in that cycle. That is the formation of the conditioning. You know, so so at every turn in the twenty-four hour cycle, as Teresa, you were saying, in an action is. You know, finite. It's interesting you put use that expression. It's finite. I, I, in my mind, it's finite in some sense. It's it's a transition to another action. 
you know, it's, it's, like, it's like when you take one breath in, after and the breath, the breathe, the breath out is a transition from the inward breath. So one action just leads to another action. In the uh, Indian script or the scripture that is known as the Gita, you know, the, the uh, Bhagavad Gita, there is a very beautiful expression about action that no one can live in this life without action. We have to perform action. We cannot maintain our body. We cannot breathe. We cannot. Action is needed to maintain the body and health and everything. So it is not about giving up action. That is in the chapter three of the Gita, actually. This is there. And I think the Bible has many such statements, but there I don't remember the references right now. That's it. People so, probably don't realize, you know, just your choice today can make such a difference in your family life, your home life, your friend's life, or what it could do to the planet. Yes. You don't, yes. You don't look at it that way. Yes, we don't look at it that way, but that but that is the fact though. You yeah. World, you and the humanity, you know, the individual and the humanity and the planet are not different things. They are one only. You are the world. The world is you. And so many people have said that. Uh, the whole Vedanta tradition is about that. Uh, Jay Krishnamurti has said that. The, uh, Jesus has uh, said this in so many ways about, about respecting thy neighbor and loving thy neighbor and, 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 and seeing your own deficiencies. And if somebody slaps you on the one cheek, offer him the other one. It's about tolerance and the Sermon on the Mount. Every tradition has tremendous teachings about unitive consciousness. Huh. That's exactly what Debbie was saying. I just said it using more words. She said exactly the same thing. I just triggered in my mind based on what she just spoke. But we don't, we, you're, it's, Debbie, thank you for saying that. I mean, I really, that's so powerful uh, that we don't step back and see that every action has an impact throughout the family, throughout the society, throughout the whole of humanity. Yeah. And we can even go further to say throughout the galaxy, throughout the multiple galaxies. It, it's actually called the butterfly effect. You can go Google that. You may have heard that before. Yeah, the wings of a butterfly. They, they impact the whole of creation. Huh. Because they impact the way the molecules are moving in the air, and then those molecules will impact something else and something else. It's like, so it's all one mass of, of living, of, of life, actually. And this is actually what is called the Gaia hypothesis, G-A-I-A, -A, the Gaia channel and all that thing is there too. The Gaia hypothesis uh, in anthropology uh, has to do with this, that, that the whole... The whole uh, earth is a living organism. This is the idea. Anyway, tremendous things, you know, so absolutely. But in listening to all of you, please interrupt me. I'm just talking here, I'm just reflecting here, looking at this. The, the tremendous responsibility. You know, when we had our re retreat, Dr. Chetna Krupalashi, uh, I asked her, what do you want the theme to be? And she said, total personal responsibility. How beautiful is that? Not partial, not 80%, not 90%, not pointing fingers at other people. See what you have to do. In, in, again, I refer to the Gita, and, and Pratapji is a student of the Gita and other scriptures, so he knows about this. There's a fantastic statement that you are the uplifter of your own life and you are degrade your own life completely also. In the Sanskrit words, I won't go into the Sanskrit language here, but the, but the point is we can uplift ourselves. We can also degrade ourselves. It's up to us. And we can degrade the planet and destroy the planet, or we can 
uplift uplift all of us together. And in the question of action is absolutely relevant in this. Just the four of us, if 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 we allow awareness to be, you will find in the twenty four hour cycle, day at a time, how much energy is cultivated and how much glory is there in that. There's so much tremendous joy in that. But see, the problem is the mind is so trapped in these old patterns. And it is trapped in imperfect action. It doesn't, in the moment it realizes this is imperfect, it has to drop. Not that it tries to drop, it has to drop completely. I was just thinking in terms of um, child development, you know, yeah. and, and how this fits in and thinking, okay, so, um, you know, just my thoughts go to, okay, you're born more than likely, like you're aware, well, I'm not really sure now, but I'm thinking, you know, awareness is there and your, and your mind is like open to awareness not really sure because we're also talking about basic needs here for the eye. Uh, so, right. So we've got that there too, but I think uh -huh. certainly conditioned into yeah. the eye mode. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, yes. Uh, I well, guess having, having either a desire or whatever it is to again, be open to you know awareness coming in and changing our thought patterns okay so now, now go into that carefully you'll see something very interesting the children who are brought up of course there is conditioning in the i and the me and all this is identity formation i mm -hmm. the sense of me and identity for it has to be there but the question is what is the best way it, it, and we, i touched upon this we talked about this before a little bit is it possible to raise children where their mind remains open, even though there are, is some basic conditioning? So they're not so conditioned so heavily into these hard locked patterns. Is that possible? That's a question of education, of bringing family life, et cetera. You know, we, we could say that there might be such a thing, yes, but it, most people have not even given it a second thought, not even a first thought. Where's they're going to give the second one on that? Mm. But see, but see how you're you're looking at that. Now, there's one more thing to to say uh, about this: that conditioning, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what kind kind of functional, non-functional, negative, positive. If conditioning is not there, there is no humanity. There's just, it's an animal body only. There's a book called the uh, called the for, a forbidden experiment. You see. So the point is that some amount of conditioning is there to realize or to move beyond it. How can we go beyond conditioning if it's not there? Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, this to me also relates to culture, right? Yeah, it's exactly. It's, 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 it's exactly. It's culture, really. Yes, yes, exactly. You, you culture, might be. Culture, tradition, culture, tradition, beliefs, everything. It, you can also look at it that, that culture, human culture is like a ladder. All of human conditioning is like a ladder that you have to climb through eventually to get to the point that you're off the ladder to get to the rooftop mm -hmm. you know so so but you can't get to the rooftop without the ladder but the ladder is not the goal also mm -hmm. 
You have to get off the ladder to get to the roof. You can't have one foot might be on the rooftop. Another foot is still on the ladder. You're still on the ladder. You know, so cultural conditioning, divisive conditioning, all of human problems and whatever it is, it is like a ladder. It is there. It has a purpose also so that we can go beyond it. We can see something beyond that. Otherwise, if we were, if there was no conditioning of any kind, we wouldn't have this kind of world. That, who knows what we would have? It's hard to even say. You know, it's, 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 I mean, it's just, it's just a different question altogether. Did, did we say this before? And it's just, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm bringing in the biblical thing again. It would be, yeah. you know, the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. And, and, and that's why I have the garden in the background. Right? Okay. The garden in my background has the Garden of Eden. Conditioning, you don't need it. <laughs> Well, well, exactly. I mean, if, if, if upbringing of children and adolescents is without, um, you know, divisiveness and dislike for others and racism, and can you imagine, and, and the wars, how much money is being, how money, time, energy is being spent in building all these weapons throughout the whole world? You know, the militaries and all that, people are heavily conditioned in those nationalism and all this thing. It would all disappear. All that thing would completely disappear. You would have a different kind of life completely. You see. I remember I had seen a flash of something on the TV. I didn't catch the story, and I don't remember the the detail, but there was a young child, and maybe six or eight years old, and she just spoke in a totally different sense. Like yeah. she was aware of the world and she was aware of other people. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of amazing to see a child looking at things that way. Yes, definitely. I don't know if it was a particular program that they were uh, attempting, but it was amazing. You yeah. just wish something like that would really happen. Exactly. But see... We could say, I mean, we could conjecture that this, that, that a wonderful open state that you're talking about, that childlike state, or you know, not childlike, but like, a, I mean, not childish, but like a childlike simplicity, uh, an innocent state, a very straightforward, uh, like it, that possibility is there in all of us. You know, but are we open to that? I mean, it, it, that, it, that's the question of why we have these dialogues. To even be open to what is that is that possibility, you know, and then in that in that openness, then you we can think of it this way. To to see all of that which is imperfect action, and to de-identify with it. To, okay, see it as imperfect. That's not me. The, 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 you know, the, that is not in alignment. Immediately, there's a movement away from it. Immediately, in the moment, without the factor of time, there's a movement away from it. When you see it, you're free of it. When you see it, you're free of it. Right? But, but, if, you're not, but if we see it and we hang on to it still, the ego is asserting itself that I want to hang on to that. And then, so what do you do with that ego? Again, it's, it's awareness of the ego, right? You say, oh, this is ego. Okay, leave it alone. Then you have to see it and then separate it out again between the functional part and the non-functional part. 
So do you always have to separate out the the ego and the I? It will separate automatically between the functional and the and the more aware in the in the pure awareness when we when we are just observing it. We can see it, we can feel it actually. I mean, those three examples of the $50 bill I gave you, right? Very easy. Mm -hmm. Very what is that? Somebody has a $50 bill, you can do so many things with that. You can also just save it. But so you so when a person has to see what is desire, what they're wanting, how the me works. There's there's so much involved in that. It's not a simple thing. But it's not complex, also. It, it, it is, it is, there is a natural, natural strength in that vision. When we take a $50 bill and say, okay, let's look at all the possible ways I can spend this. And if you're mindful about it and see the big picture, and and, and, and you're satisfied inside in seeing that, then it will be used in the best possible way. But that, but that is what intelligence is all about. That's simply as opposed to running with one's impulses or running with one's feelings or running, you know. Now, of course, that doesn't mean you don't enjoy the world. But at the same, and it also doesn't mean you're like a penny pincher and miser. It's not that also. Because that's also a constriction. As Dr. Berman would say, that's a, that's a constriction. It's a contracted energy, miserliness and stinginess and Sometimes people have a lot of money, say they're not willing to spend one extra dollar to, to enjoy anything in this world. The, all they want to see is the bank account increase and they die like that one day. There's some people like that too. I don't know how many, but there might be some. It's a very contracted, very, uh, it's a poor person actually, internally poor. And then you have people who are just, you know, spending every last dollar of their paycheck the moment they get it without giving any thought about the future. That's the other extreme of, of this thing. The money example is easy to understand because it's, it's, it's something which is with us all the time. You know, so, so at every turn, as Teresa was saying, each action, we perform an action. Is, it, is that action perfect? Is it the right action, the perfect action? Is it damaging energy? These are the big, these are deep basic questions. As Sachin is talking, I have to see this myself. If I, if I don't see this myself, it's just a lot of words. It doesn't mean anything at all. So it comes down to being aware and mindful, choosing the right action, and not damaging energy. Yes, I, maybe rather than saying choosing the right action, action resonating with the right action because you because the right action is there already it's that it's already inside of you just stay with it allow that to be rather than you trying to do that let it do it <laughs> let it do it means what you're, you're aware of it so the right action is 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 already within the mind body complex with the factor of the me trying to hold on to right action. That's a little bit more advanced statement, a little bit more tricky to understand. If Sachin says, I am going to use $50 exactly right, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll use it in the best way. But, but, then, but then the I is present still in that. That, you know, I'm using this money. This, this, this money. You see, the, so what can happen with that I? 
the eye is looking for a certain type of experience that solidifies it. It will flip into something else. It will say, no, now I want something else and I want something else. And it, it, the, the eye is like a is like a uh, uh, uncontrolled child <laughs> or like a dog without a leash, completely run, roaming around in any God knows which direction. That is the eye. It's, it's like that. <laughs> You know, so so liberation or perfect action or again whatever language it is it is a it is just take it's one breath at a time it's just living completely it's it's the wholeness of life and in that awareness of that wholeness there is embracing all of life we're not running away from the world not running away from the diversity around us we're we're living in it embracing it but freely not getting stuck inside, not getting into the me reactions and, 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 and causing all these tussles and all that. No, not at all. All right, I'm trying to think in terms of, because I was thinking from what Debbie was saying about, you know, and trying to get away from this, like, uh, you know, I'm going to do this. So I'm thinking... Like yeah. there's an awareness, there's our awareness, there's our common commonness and uh, um, just, I don't know what I want to say, I, I used to think about it in terms of saying, you know, uh, just uh, allowing that openness, but again, it's like, I'm allowing the openness, but just to, um, I don't know how to how to really say it, but make it so that you're make it so that well whatever that your mind can function kind of well if we want to talk about energy functions using that energy rather mm -hmm. than the I energy. Yes, yes, that, that's that's oh. right. Exactly. It's one way to look at it. Yes, yes, that's that's correct. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yes, that is. So, a, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Debbie, go ahead. Well, if you're not using the I energy, what energy are you using? The the I is not using that energy anymore. The, the, that energy is remaining intact and it is it is moving inside the mind naturally for the experiences of the world. You see, but but the I is not funneling that energy into a contraction. That's the difference. For example, to make it very easy to understand. Sachin goes to the mall with $50, to Christiana Mall. I go to the Christiana Mall with $50. Okay. Now I can you can feel inside, oh, this is I want to buy that book or I want to buy that shirt. And I want, I want, I want, I attraction, repulsion, attraction, repulsion. Right. This is this is a, so even just walking in the mall, even without using that fifty dollars, so much of the of the of the internal power is is torn apart by like and dislike. I like this, but I don't like this. I want this. I don't want this. This is good. This is bad. This person is like this. It just goes on. If you take one round for fifteen minutes in the mall and then come back to your car, you find out if you are aware how much energy has been drained in that because of the likes and dislikes. Because of the I that is saying, I like and I don't like. I like and I don't like. I want and I don't want. 
And then, then you're thinking, then it goes on. I should have bought that person. I shouldn't have bought that. I should do this. I should. It just goes on. And then, so, so what is another way to approach that? Approach it with total freedom. Appreciate everything. Oh, how appreciate. You see the beautiful objects there. You say, fine, wonderful. It's very nice. You go inside, you look at it. If you say, okay, maybe I can buy something here. No problem. It's okay. It, it, it doesn't cause this fragmentation from inside. That's the difference. That is the central difference between the I using power and energy and whatnot versus that energy, that intelligence moving through the mind and the body without getting split into thousand pieces by that I. That is, the, that is the difference between the Buddha nature, the higher consciousness nature, and an ordinary human being. That's, that's the only real difference, actually, in, in, in this mind. It's just the way the, is the eye fragmenting the energy, or the eye is just leaving the energy alone, and the eye is used as needed only. That's all. But that requires that necessitates a tremendous amount of, of self-reflection and, and, and awareness about, oh my God, my mind went here, my mind went, went there, I want this. You find out this jungle that is inside. The fireworks show inside, you know, my goodness. You know, and you're propped by stimulated by so many different things all, all the time, right? So this, so, so then people people get exhausted from that. From damaging all this, and say, oh my God, I need a vacation. Let's go to the retreat somewhere. Let's go to a nature walk somewhere. Let's get away. It's a reaction to try to recover all that energy. That's what that is. Otherwise, you are at a 24-hour vacation all the time. If you really if you realize this thing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you should be on vacation all the time. Yeah, of course. We're vacationing <laughs> on the planet Earth. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> see, the, see, see the notion of going on vacation. Notion of go. Of course, you can go. Of course, there's changes, but not as not to recover lost energy. If you're trying to recover, I mean, if, if you lost energy, you have to recover it. So people need to go on vacation, that, of course. But if you if you're already in that state where energies and and awareness and these things are are not torn apart, then if you go on a vacation. It's not an escape. It is just an enhancement of joy. It is not to recover lost energy. Lost time, lost energy, you know, all kinds of things that were unnecessarily drained out. No. <coughs> it, is a, it is the enhancement of joy that doesn't have a reaction, doesn't have a polar opposite. And that is only possible when the I is not fragmenting our internal activity of the mind into thousands of pieces. I think I've been doing that a lot these past weeks or months. Um, just using the I quite a bit. Yeah. And maybe it is, it's, you know, maybe it is the thing that's causing my problems. Yes, it is the only thing. 
<laughs> yes. Because now you see, now let's look at this from another way. Dr. Chetna Kripalu, she talks about the inner pharmacy. There's a bunch of lectures on that in the podcast. That our body has so much already natural healing power, and she can explain it better. Mm -hmm. that, but if you really probe all the stuff that she was talking about, when we stop this wastage and fragmentation and this tearing apart of this internal, once that is stopped, actually stopped, my God, there's there's a, such a fantastic flow of natural health and energy. There's a flow of energy that may have great healing power. And, and it, it is a stabilizing power. It's a very, it's a profound, profoundly beautiful state. Rather than running in a very contracted manner, in blindly in this world. It's, that is, I mean, another way to put it there, there's natural self-mastery in that. It is a, it's a transformative state automatically, you know, but... <laughs> It's, it, it, as Pratap has stated almost every time that we have discussed this, we have gone into that, he's always mentioned about the I and the me. If you, you know, all the stuff that he says, right? It's, it's an awareness of, this is the only real question. You can approach this question in any way you want about action or awareness or conditioning or mindfulness or, or anger or emotion. You can approach it any, any, it doesn't matter. It is only the question about the me. There is no other real question. All the other questions are in that one question. Pratap, you want to say anything? <laughs> yeah, I think that... Very attentively. The thing is this, that the obstacles I'm pointing out. See, we grow up with conditioning and nobody can avoid that condition. We will be conditioned because we will be given most of the knowledge from the generations, Right? teachers and all that. So more than half of our knowledge that we share here, put, put here, is a kind of conditioning. But that conditioning is very useful because this mind can have this much knowledge based on where I was born and all the places and who taught me. And that, that and, and, and the knowledge I am collecting is also changeless kind of a thing. Hydrogen, oxygen will make the water is always the same. Whereas the other part that they, that I learned from being conditioned is that my opinion, my belief, my faith, my caste, my nationality, and all those things are a psychological thing. Now, the conditioning itself is not going to be a problem. The problem is that this conditioning become I, that we don't realize that I am identifying with my mind, my image and other people's image and all that become I. And that's a connection we have to see when identification happens, the I is born out of that. And this I is not really me, but I take it that I as me then I fight with the mind to control and all that. So that, that first important thing is to understand that I have to find my freedom from this identification, not from the condition. 
That's a very important thing. This condition has the power, conditioning has the power given by this false identity that I give it to it. The, 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 the I. I is just a thought by identification. And this thought and this identification is also by the reality of awareness. Awareness identifies with it and imposes a limitation of this body and the mind only. But there is a purpose for that. So now that's the first obstacle is that our identification is not understood. When we understand this identified entity or pratap or any name that we give will have a wisdom to act in, 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 in alignment with this totality of that awareness is the real, real identification of myself. True, I'm truly aware. The other obstacle I see that the, we use the word ego. Now ego tells most people that, oh, I should not have ego. Or I, I, oh, he's a very egoic. But the ego is, then this I, that I am not really I, it will try to get rid of the ego, which is wrong. The I is ego. So you have to put I equal to ego. And then instead of using the ego, what will help is that this I is is born out of the identification with the mind and that I comes. Only understanding that this I is such a way is born. I know it, my experience, yes. Whenever I speak, I only speak my mind. Isn't that true? Right? Mind tells me that I speak for mind. So I is that way is free, really has to be free from the mind. And that's why they say raise, rise above the mind. So rise above the mind, meaning you observe and while you observe as awareness, you observe that time there is no identification. But when we have to act, when we have to think, then we have this uh, thing that we don't remember. And we think that I am this conditioning and not even know that. So when you know that this very I now is going to be free from limitations of this mind and this body only, and then you will, because now the mind is in the receiving mode, is open to who is open. It says, what am I, the mind open. So this mind now is receiving it. An open mind always receives. If we are closed minds, then, oh, I am this only, this only, this only, Indian only, there. Uh, then it's not an open mind. So now this mind is understood that I is not a real identity, is a false, that I'm taking it real is a problem. When you take false as a false, then it is okay because then it's a truth. And then you will see automatically this I will try to serve you, serve the master of awareness. This open mind will receive all our actions will be in a way whole, not just you know, fragmented 
mind that acts only for itself. Mind doesn't act. So mind, I never want to blame mind. That is very important to me. Blame the one that I take at real, who thinks he is the real, who has the mind and fights with the mind. Artificial or not necessary. I, don't, I, I hope I'm explaining it the best I can use the words. But if you see it like a visualize it, that, oh, the space-like awareness is identifying with this conditioning. Aren't we both, aren't, um, it, when we are told that you are like this, you are like this, you are like this, you are like, then what we store here immediately becomes I, me, you. And then that you gets all the attention. Yes, very interesting. The truth Perfect. will set you free. No, yes. you don't have to practice or anything. Just understand, visualize that I is not our real identity. But it's our tool that we have to use. I, When I drive the car, I know full well that the mind's knowledge and the body is driving, really. But I, for the living in the Vyavhar, in the practical way, I have to say I am driving. Now, when I say I am driving, I'm identifying with the knowledge, the mind and the body, right? That is really driving. Isn't it true? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Will be true. Anything that you say about I, this I, it will be always with identifying some part of the mind. And then it will speak. Yes. <clears throat> So to me, the understanding is very important. Yeah. And I was thinking when you mentioned about, you know, having that open mind. So then I'm thinking, okay, I want my mind to be open to things. It, it uh, You know, the, uh, the practices of things like meditation and things to kind of calm things down so that other thoughts can come in what, or, you know, so my, uh, uh, so I can be open to other things besides the eye. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. And then you will use the same eye, but knowing full well that it is not my real thing. It's my tool. In, mm -hmm. And my toolbox is uh, right here in the whole mind is the toolbox mm -hmm. that I will use it with this tool appropriately in the context of the action required. Yeah. That action will also be free or perfect or whatever right action. And so having an open mind would also be, I think, for me, a uh, a matter of when they talk about discernment and uh, talking about, you know, what what is the what is the direction I want to go or, you know, that sort of thing when trying to make decisions. Yeah. See. Open mind is so important because what happens is as much as I is a problem, but this I is such an autopilot on us that mm -hmm. every time we hear something bad about us, boom, it just blows apart. It does not have even a time to be aware that, you know, <clears throat> my open mind is very important. Then the pause comes in between, you know, and that pause will give us this understanding. Oh my God, this is not me. 
Mm. When I am hurt, I am only hurt because somebody is violating the image I have about us, right? my me, right? Mm. Not really uh, uh, violating me. It's my image that I consider as myself. And now if that image is not myself, then who cares? So to, to, to add to this, the experience we get from the I that he's talking about, you know, in this way, once you've seen it and it's no longer, uh, you know, you're not, you're not identified with, with, with it in, in, in any like entangled manner. The experience we get of the world is the best possible experience using, using the mind and the body and all of that where where we are not running after the experience we are present to the experience naturally yeah because now now you we are learning that the proof is that i am identifying when i speak anything i speak it's always from this mind only exactly it's all right because i don't have access to other mind but I am as much as a vehicle, as much as the tool, as the all other minds are. Because all of them are lighted by this awareness, sun of awareness. So this sun of awareness is my reality. And I surrender this I to that sun of consciousness, awareness. And then automatically things will happen well, you know, the, yes, the, the interaction with others, for example, that interaction with others is so steady, clear, mindful, peaceful, non-entangled, non-energy draining. It's just a, it's just a fantastic interaction. Uh, even if the other people are disturbed, agitated, whatever is going on, or they might be praising you, you know, they might be saying great things about you, or they might be saying, or or anything might be, whatever is going on, the, the, the natural st stability of the mind is there. It, it's, it, it, it is a silence, as Pratap, we talked about this before, it is a non-contrived silence. The more, a little bit difficult to put it that way, perhaps, but it is a natural silence that just, is, and then the activity is done through the silence, through that stability, through the harmony, through the natural energy integration. It, all activity remains through that, as opposed to the me that, you know, the falsely identified me that is then running in, in all these different directions and then causing all the fragmentation and energy damage and all the chaos in the world. And, and, and the biggest proof is, if I may say for just a few seconds. Uh, Please, yes, sure. When you are cooking, for example, a nice recipe, you know, you were so much absorbed in making the recipe, right? These, 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 these. At that time, there is no thing that you are doing. With. So I have done this recipe. I have cooked this. It's like an afterthought. So that's a clue that we are not really the doer in that sense. Doer for me is just a very, very practical use to say that I did this recipe versus somebody else did it. That's all. There is nothing else. 
it's a relative word that that requires this uh, false i which is not really false because it it's already awareness but it has imposed a limitation of this mind body for a purpose yes yes exactly purpose and i i think if we take it one step further just one more step further the kind of life a person has when the individual is de-identified with with the me in, in all the harmful aspects and all that, all that, when that identification is not there other than the functional part. Other than that, as he was just saying, we have so much potentiality. I mean, it, it is it is a tremendous amount of possibility that is available. And this right. is really, you know, with the whole angel wing transition that we're talking about from the balanced state to a sustained balanced state to a state of self-mastery and then sustained self-mastery, which is all transformation all the way through, you know, this is what we're talking about that that we that the possibilities just open up one after another and and that is where creativity ingenu ingenuity uh, 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 careful uh, new ways to probe in, into truth uh, uh, just ordinary things like cooking and 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 the worldly experiences they can even be much more enhanced right yeah. Life becomes I mean, it's, yes, yes, exactly. They, they can be much the same different. objects. So, but the same, in fact, the, right, right, definitely. In fact, the same objects now are are not going to saturate the mind. This is now the next. This is what we're you know we haven't maybe not talked about this this way. Go ahead, go ahead, Pratap. That means now we 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 are detached from the object in the sense that we are really now attached to object for the object's sake. Yeah, Not for my sake only. Right. right now, we are only the what do I get out of this object, you know, yes. with a person or yes. Now, then other way, I will take care of my car for the car's sake. Not that I look good, you know, because people will say, Oh, nice car and all that. No, nice house, this, that. We take care of the object for object's sake rather than for me. Which is which is what uh, there's an audio that I created about two years ago called the beauty of action, you know. So that, so what he's talking about there is that, that that there is there is natural beauty in the action for the sake of the action for the right kind of interaction for that object. It is a respect for the objects, and that is beautiful. So the action is beautiful. Yeah, even it is uh, insentient object. Yes, yes, yes. All, all insentient, everything. I mean, things like bottles, things like you know your heaters or your computer. It, all objects, material oh, objects. And to the extent, my example is that before I used to, you know, finish the cereal from the box, and I used to throw that in the garbage. Now I right. don't do that. I have so much respect for that box, so I will walk and nicely put it in the garbage and do that. We are surrounded by so many insentient things that helps us, you know, in the house. Look at so many things are insentient, right? But they are serving us. So that also, you know, you will feel by throwing something. Yeah, and and, and again, there's a big difference between, you know, the me that says he's throwing something and all that, yeah. as opposed to just respectfully putting it away. With appreciation, with, with with gratitude. I mean, if you really go into this, you take a cereal box example. How many people were involved in bringing that cereal to us? 
Yeah. Hundreds of people. Hundreds. Yeah. You don't even know who they So many are there. It's yeah. so all of reality has, has come together to bring this experience to this person. What tremendous grace is that? Yeah. Oh, tremendous grace. Tremendous grace. But that is the attitude, perspective, and um, internalization of gratitude. And that's funny that you should also use that word grace because it reminds me back a, a while back and I don't know why it started or how it started, what it was with me, uh, but um, grace at meals was, uh, you know, part of that was thinking about all the people that brought that food to the table. And yes. so exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. You know, people, you know the truckers, the, you know, the <laughs> Beautiful. All, you know, and if you try and take the chain all the way back, all the way know. back, and if you count, the, if you count the things that you have to be grateful about, mm. you will never finish that list. Exactly, and, and and this is this is what is meant from you know the journey from the finite to the infinite. This right. is the journey. The journey, you know, the, the finiteness of the me, the ego, the self-centeredness that breaks apart and, and this intense truth shines on the mind, on the body, on, on all action. And so, so, so the human being is not just functioning out of that individualized egocentric modality. The individual is functioning as a as a um living wire as a living living um high energy enlightened you know the 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 buddha nature the the the, the sanctified being uh it, it's it, it, it's a being that the presence of such a being impacts all of creation this is what we call a reincarnation yeah you're right it's, it's a kind of you're incarnating now it's a it's a rebirth it's what in christianity it's called the spiritual rebirth or the religious rebirth yes exactly Absolutely. Different traditions have different language for it, but that's what it's a rejuvenation completely from inside. It's an inside out transformation. It's really the love and uh, beauty and uh, compassion and all those things takes body. Yeah. And see, even things like, you know, not hurting others, say, I'm not going to hurt anybody. Even that doesn't apply. There yeah, yeah. Very good. Doesn't yeah. apply. There's no I that is... There is a natural love that is just shining. Where's the issue of not hurting anybody? You know, so it is. It is a a, a wondrous, fantastic state of of profound joy, of natural joy that it just abides. The ego is not trying to grab hold of that joy. Ego, I. Yeah, that's another problem that happens. The ego says, I want that joy. No, the ego, ego cannot, that's a, it will turn it into its own twisted activities, conditioned stuff. It, it, it cannot grasp that. And that's the, that is the difference between enlightened beings or highly awakened beings and the rest of the humanity. Humanity is also, the potentiality is there, always. And then from a more religious angle, we can say the kingdom of heaven on earth kingdom. You know, this is the God's uh, beautiful earth. You can use religious, a lot of religious 
metaphors and language is certainly there. Very good. Okay. Folks, we are at 8.22. What a fantastic exploration. Oh, about 22 more minutes. <laughs> yes, yes. We lost track of time. Very good. That's a good thing, actually. You know, so Good to see all of you. Uh, uh, so uh, any final comments from anybody before we stop? Debbie, you want to say anything? Teresa, Ms. Teresa, okay. I think we, we said it too, just, you all know, yeah. more in, in depth in that, uh, you know, in the understanding of awakening, you know, yes. open-mindedness, <laughs> that whole thing. So Wonderful. Thank you. And in fact, it's just been the four of us last couple of weeks. So that's, uh, you know, that's has kind of enhanced our inquiry further. Uh, <laughs> just because it's been a small group. I mean, everybody's welcome, of course. But when you have just a couple of small group, it can go deeper a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Thank you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye.